Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The 22nd of December will be candlelight, always a special time. Uh, it's probably one of my, um, you know, there's some things that you do in church life. You look back and like, it didn't work. We'll do something else or you regret. That is something that I've never regretted starting, and that is candlelight service. And so we hope it's a blessing to those who come special time of year as we're reflecting upon the Lord. And I urge us, you know, during the time of the hustle and bustle, because it seems to lend itself to that. That we don't in this time forget our thankfulness and forget uh, the babe that was born in Bethlehem's manger that was not disposed to remain a babe, but uh, to grow up and become a sacrifice, amen, for us in our lives and enabling us, amen, now to live a life for the Lord. First Samuel 26, I'm also going to be reading from First Samuel 27. As a matter of fact, it would probably be a good idea tonight if you have your Bible, phone, iPad, whatever, scroll, <laughs> that you keep it open to those chapters tonight. Uh, we are preaching from a narrative. It is a story. And so I'm going to be dabbling in the story a little bit this evening. Amen. First Samuel 26, we're diving right here in the middle of a story just to kind of preface where we are David is a fugitive from Saul he's running for his life Saul's made many advances toward him and seeking to take his life and this is probably one of the other notable times that David had opportunity to dismiss Saul take Saul's life but he didn't and so now there's a conversation that's being had after Saul is aware that he could have been had in this moment so 1 Samuel 26 and verse 19 David is saying, Now therefore, I pray thee, let my Lord the King hear the words of his servant. If the Lord have stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men, cursed be they before the Lord, for they have driven me out of this out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Verse 20, Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel is come out to seek a flea. <laughs> As when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. I don't know if it was a partridge in the pear tree in the mountain. We might be able to play on that someday and really bring something spiritual out of it, but not tonight. Verse chapter 27, verse number one. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. 
I'm going to point something out just real quickly. In verse, in verse number 19, David says, You all have driven me from my inheritance. In verse 27, David says, I can't think of nothing better to do that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. So the quandary is what happened. Did they drive you or did you choose to leave? So with the help of the Holy Ghost, I don't, I'm not confident that this is titled right, okay? So if it ends up like not being so, just say, bless him, Jesus. Because <laughs> that's what people do when you're preaching. They think you're in a hard spot. They say, bless him, Lord. <laughs> it happens, folks. I, I'm, I'm t- I don't know if in, one time I remember plainly evangelizing and that happening and I knew the spirit in it. Help him, Jesus. And I, I was kind of ornery. And we won't even probably should talk about that. Let's go on. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the cry of comfortable Christianity. The cry of comfortable Christianity. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Pray for me tonight, if you will. I want to be in the Father's will. Father, Lord Jesus, help us this evening. God, we need the power of your spirit. God, we have been inundated today, God, with the spirit of the Lord. God, just moving and thriving, Lord, in these services. I pray, oh, Lord, let it now thrive and let your word stand up among us tonight, God, and make itself known unto us. I pray, oh, Lord, help each and every individual under the sound of my voice, both within these walls, Lord, and beyond, Lord Jesus, in our live stream and podcast to come, Lord, for others in later days. God, let this be of some help, God, to us so tonight, and we'll not forget to thank you and give honor and glory to you tonight night in the lovely name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen the church say amen amen you may be seated this evening in Jesus name hallelujah in David's lifetime he had known the pains of disloyalties in his life he had known the pains of disloyalties even among his personal family even among his own Israelite brethren He had more than one of his sons at different times turn against him in attempts of garnering favor of the people that David was a king over and to the degree of attempting to seize their father's throne. People who had been David's counselors had turned on him. Captains of his army, people that he had placed in strategic positions of leading his army in battles and wars. Captains of his own army had betrayed him or at the very least were inconsiderate toward some members of his family. So David knew that of which he spoke when he said in the Psalms that if it had been an enemy that reproached him, he could have borne it. But instead, he said it was his peer. It was a guide. It was an acquaintance that he took counsel with and someone that he went to the house of God with. And primarily in David's life, it was King Saul that was the first brotherhood disappointment, if I could say it like that. 
was the first brotherhood disappointment that David was met with in his life's journey. He would have several others beyond and after Saul, but Saul was the first brotherhood disappointment. That was his king. That was the one that he walked to God's help with. That was one that he held, if you will, similar beliefs and ideologies with. And yet there was the disappointment of the brotherhood because he had turned on David. And for approximately 10 years, David has been a fugitive in the land of Israel, as it would seem. He has been running here. He has been running there. He has found, if you will, himself lodging in dens and in caves. His abode has been no permanent dwelling, as the scripture seems to relay. And his king. Saul has been the reason for his running. At one time, David arrived on the scene. Many of you know of 1 Samuel 17. He arrived on the scene in the valley of Elah and he secured a victory for Israel. He secured a victory for his king Saul. And that was David's doings for the king's sake and for the nation's benefit. Amen. He had been at one time an answer to Saul's troubled spirit by coming into the presence of Saul and by the melodious tunes of his heart playing, he would soothe the beast, if you will, of the troubled spirit of Saul. He had been Saul's answer. He had been invited into the kingdom of Saul as his armor bearer, no less. Perhaps, Brother Mason, no nearer or dearer row in the whole kingdom than having that place and that position right along Saul. But now for about the past 10 years, Years at this stage of our text, David has been targeted as an enemy by the very one that he had one time served alongside. No doubt tonight, and I'm not, I'm not dismissing this, and I'm not saying that this isn't important or this isn't valid. No doubt David's hurt must have been enormous considering their past relationship. No doubt the heartache that he had must have been heart-wrenching for David to go through. Perhaps, no doubt, his betrayal must have been a very deep and gaping wound in his personal life because the one Saul asked to stand beside him as his armor-bearer in war, the one that he had invited into his presence to soothe his own disagreeable spirit, now out of necessity, the Bible says, had become the David that had to flee from the presence of the Lord at least twice when he had been in his presence and on another count, another time, just to miss the flying javelins from the hand of this man named Saul. David had an apparent disadvantage on two occasions, the Bible says. He had the advantage where he could have done away with Saul. He could have done away with this man who desired to do the very thing that David could have done unto him, and that is kill him and take his life at two separate junctures. The scripture records for us once in the wilderness of Injedi. Some call it Injedi. I'm not going Star Wars on you, but Injedi, amen, and another in the wilderness of Ziph. Amen. Our text, the Bible says David could have easily taken vengeance and snuffed out the life of Saul. But David knew in the depths of his heart that trading air for air was not the answer. 
Trading air for air was not the solution. He knew vengeance according to the word of the Lord ultimately belonged unto God. This man that had animosity in his heart toward David, this man was his king. Amen. This man was the one that he had battled alongside and David would much rather battle alongside King Saul than battle against King Saul. Amen. Even the time that David, and you read in your scripture, read your Bible in 1 Samuel, when he cut the skirt of Saul's garment, the Bible says that David's heart smote him that he had done such a thing. Now tonight I'm here to tell you, and I'm again not trying to minimize anything. I'm not here this evening to minimize the pain of church hurt. I'm not here to justify the bruises and the woundings that happen sometimes in the church due to jealousies and gossip and misunderstandings because I understand that type of hurt feels more profound because you've been hurt by the church or you've been hurt by people in the church rather than outsiders. I get it. I'm not minimizing anything any of that. But I am here tonight to declare that hurt and might I say more particularly discomfort and unease will exist in the church as it does in most places that is comprised of people. And I'll tell you that if a misspoke word or a misdirected attitude hasn't made you uncomfortable at times, that there will be other times that bring discomfort into your life as well. It may be the preaching of truth. It may be God's word that, that equally makes you shudder with discomfort. It may be the war that's inside yourself of good and evil and right and wrong. Amen. Uh, of some type of unsettling competitions that's going on in your mind that's going to make you uncomfortable. Someone say amen. But the basic idea tonight is this. People want a comfortable Christianity. <laughs> Someone say helping Jesus. They're, they're, we want a comfortable Christianity to the place there better not be, Brother Mason, any arguments that we got to resolve. There best not be any standards or expectations that must be met. If the Bible challenges my personal tendencies and my personal ways, then the Bible's the one that's going to have to comply, not me. Folks, I, I hate tonight to do this, but I hate to share the warts of our hero, David, tonight. But in his flaws are our own flaws and our own leanings as well. And that's the reason why the Bible is such a tremendous text. David has done so well. He has refrained from retaliating, amen, when he could have gone for the kill. He has basically asked Saul in our text, how can we resolve this? How? What's the solution to this? If, if this has been prompted by the Lord, then just tell me and I'll bring the right sacrifice. I'll bring the right offering and we'll make all of this some amends. We'll make this right. But if the influence is the influence of men that's causing this Saul, then shame on them. Shame on them because it's driving me from my inheritance. It's driving me from the land of Israel. It's putting me in a position to retreat to spaces and places where other gods are served and where other gods are worshipped. 
someone say amen here just for a little bit. And again, I don't want to minimize anything tonight. I understand church hurt is real. I understand there can be frustration so sharp that there's animosity that builds up and people sometimes feel like they have to leave the church maybe for another church and all these type of things happen. But sometimes people just become uncomfortable with everything. They come uncomfortable with the word of the Lord being preached. They come uncomfortable with that there's certain types of platform standards that's around there if you're going to sing, if you're going to play an instrument. They come uncomfortable with some of the teachings and they really shouldn't say that, you know, behind a pulpit. So they just become uncomfortable. I couldn't count the many of times that people's looked over their shoulder and said, you know what? You're just really driving me from church. You're driving me from the house of God. You're driving... You're, you're, you're driving me from all of these places. Oh, someone say amen. Can I tell you that in all of the 10 years that David was a fugitive, I know of no time but once that David resorted, twice really, but once before this, that David resorted to Gath, which was in Philistine country, the, the, the enemy's country, during a very uncomfortable situation in his life. And even then the Bible tells us, amen, that Saul did not drive him there. Hear me now. Saul did not drive him there. Israel did not drive him there. But David decided to go there himself. And he no sooner got there that he just as soon left for fear of his life. Someone say amen. I, I got a point tonight. I really do. Amen here this evening. So what I'm saying tonight is this. Hurt or discomfort, whether it's brought on by others or whether it's brought on by yourself, due to living contrary to God's word, will always typically produce irrational thinking. It's as old as Abraham and Sarah that says, I'm not comfortable with God not coming through on this promise of a child yet. So I'm going to offer my handmaiden Hagar to Abraham to attempt to fulfill what I'm uncomfortable with. And that tragic toy choice has had repercussions. We're still dealing with it today. Always irrational thinking follows discomfort. Watch it now in verse 19. Look at the word again. Verse 19 records, amen, in 26, chapter 26, David says, they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord. But in chapter 27, in verse 1, he says, David said, everybody said, said, in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Because he's saying, Saul hasn't changed his mind. I'm still uncomfortable. And there is nothing better for me. Well, you know, here, let me put it in layman's terms. David is saying, I can't handle it anymore. David is saying, Whew, I can't make it anymore. And it says, he said in his heart, that then that I should speedily escape. That word there means slip out. Pass over, go over, cross over into the land of, not Israel, into the land of the Philistines. Now listen here. David is having internal dialogue at this moment. The best I can say it, David's talking to himself. He's having internal dialogue at this moment. He's talking to himself and he's saying, it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be uncomfortable and I can't handle it anymore and I'm going to slip on over to the land of the Philistines because it's going to be easier there and all this might not be resolved but at least I'll be relaxed. Yeah. 
I'm preaching here tonight because here's the fact of the matter. What we say, someone say what we say. What we say to ourselves helps steer and determine our actions. He said in his heart, it'd be better for me. Hear me now. It'd be better for me if I just slip on over into the land of the Philistines. Gone were the days of the Psalm 62 and 5, David, that spoke to his soul and said, So, find rest in the Lord. My hope coming from him. Gone are the days of those days. He's saying right now in his heart, he's telling himself, Nothing can be better for me than to escape in the land of the Philistines. These people, amen, are the, 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 the enemies of the nation of Israel. These people for that matter are God's enemies and they have been my enemies but he tells himself that he's facing too much to remain where he was in Israel that he must embrace the land of his adversary I need to preach to someone tonight and tell you that you are better off being an uncomfortable Christian than you are trying to live to be a comfortable one you're, you're better off being a comfortable Christian in the house of God in the land of Israel than trying to live a comfortable Christianity in the land of your advent. <laughs> Someone say irrational thinking. That's what's happening when the land of the enemy is appealing. When the land of the enemy you're longingly considering as your only option, that's better. When it looks like the better option, you've been duped, ladies and gentlemen, because if you feel more comfortable there, you may be, but you'll never be satisfied there. I'm not done. I got I to gotta go. That day, David escaped. He crossed over. He slipped away. David crossed a boundary that day that was more than a geographic boundary. He crossed a spiritual boundary. The first time that he went to the land with the city of Gath in the land of the Philistines, the Bible declares and seems to indicate to us that David went alone. He went by himself. Are you listening to me tonight? But something changed between that first time and this time. Now he has wives and children. Now he has 600 men under his command. The first time he went, he was by himself. But now he's not just responsible for David. He's responsible for Abigail and Ahinoam and the children and the 600 men and their wives. Huh? 600 men, if they had wives and children, that, that easily estimates a good 2,000 to 3,000 people. Someone say amen. That David was responsible for. Someone say glory. And perhaps his strategy, perhaps his thinking was this. You know, I've been moving here and there in the land of Israel. I've been moving all throughout God's inheritance with my wife and with my children. Everybody goes, love me. I'm going to be gone this week in my seat. Amen. But I can't continue to allow my family to suffer and feel uncomfortable. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> I, I, it's one thing for me to be fleeing from, you know, it's one thing for me to be tucking in the den in the cave. It's one thing for me to be uncomfortable. It's a whole other matter, though, when my wife gets uncomfortable. 
Man, God just hit a little ding in me right then. You know the old saying, because what they say, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Folks, there have been too many families that's been swayed by the voice. Hear me very diligently and carefully. By the voice of the counterpart to the man. It's as old as the garden. It's as old as the garden as Adam was standing with Eve when she partook of the fruit and gave it to Adam to eat also. I don't want to do this by myself. I want you in the boat with me. Because if mama's not happy, Honey, you can use that. You can use that mentality to change the paint on the wall. You can use that mentality to add a room on your house. But don't you ever use that mentality to forsake the house of God, the living God, your relationship with God. David. David said, I, 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 I suffer, but it's one thing. It's one thing for my, for my wife to suffer. And, you know, it's another thing for my kids to get uncomfortable. They put hot sauce in my taco today. I don't know what's going on. Because they're manageable as long as they're Asher's age. Because they're naive. They're okay as long as they're Graceland's age. Because they're innocent and they really didn't know any different. But don't let them grow up and start perceiving right for wrong for themselves. And get uncomfortable. Because if that starts to happen. We can't do that. Oh God help me. And so with all of this deduction. David says. Well then there's no better option than for us. As a family. To go to the land of the Philistines. And attempt to live a comfortable. Non-demanding Christianity there. For 16 months in your Bibles, in 1 Samuel 27, for 16 months of David's wilderness experience, it was spent particularly among the Philistines. Was David safe from Saul? Absolutely. That was his enemy. He was safe from his hatred. He was safe from his jealousies. He was safe from his scrutiny. Everybody okay with me here? But his supposed safety from hurt and his supposed safety from injury and possible death, listen to me now, jeopardized him, David, with possibly dying away from the presence of the Lord. This is the phrase that penetrated my heart this week. Because the cry, here's David. He already had a a tendency toward this in his mind before he went there. The cry of the comfortable Christian is this. I don't want to deal with any discomfort or expectations, but I don't want to allow my blood to fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. That's verse number 20. 
of chapter 26. Look at, let not my blood, David cries, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. Something was already stirring in David's heart about his decision in chapter 27 and verse 1, or he would not have said that. Other translations say it like this. I read it in the NIV this week when it came out to me, brother uh, 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 Bishop. He said, let not my blood fall to the earth far from the presence of the Lord is even more accurately translated. The SV says, do do not let my blood fall away from the presence of the Lord. The contemporary English version is quite layman's terms. Don't let me die in a land far away from the Lord. Uh I don't like to be uncomfortable. But the comfortable Christian that's chose the land of the Philistines is this. I don't like to be uncomfortable. But God, by all means, don't let me die out of your presence. Oh, God, help me. I don't want to live for you now, but I don't want to live without you for eternity. Someone hear me. As comfortable as the land of the Philistines may be, as less intruding as walking the double line may be, David said there isn't anything comfortable about dying far away from the presence of the Lord. There isn't anything, amen, to look upon with a longing eye about giving my last breath and not being attached to his presence, not being empowered by his power. This, man, I got to hurry up. This was the last time, listen to me. In our text, this was the last time that Saul and David will ever see each other. The last time they will ever see each other. David will have, listen to me, no other negative interactions with Saul. And he's like, yes. Discomfort gone. Yes. Saul will no longer seek after David or bother him. But this change of location left David far from the presence of the Lord. So I ask you this evening, do you want to be comfortable or do you want to be satisfied? Is escaping the presence of Saul worth forfeiting the presence of God? Someone say amen. David had been known at different times throughout the text of Scripture in Samuel. He had been known about slipping away out of Saul's presence. He had fled oftentimes. He had purposely avoided sitting at the king's table for meat. Amen. And he did all of this, slipping out, avoiding sitting at the king's table all these different times, yet without abandoning the land of his inheritance. So he got out of the presence of Saul, away from that, without leaving God. Someone say amen. He didn't want to suffer at his hand. However, he made it clear in our passage tonight that he didn't want to die away from the presence of the Lord because that is the cry of the comfortable Christian. You say, Brother McGee, you keep referencing that. What what is a comfortable Christian? Well, the comfortable Christian is this. It's doing what best sets you because it's the path of least resistance. I'll say it again. It's it's the path. It's what best suits you because it's the path of least existence. Chapter 27. You read all of chapter 27. I believe it's only 12 verses. And it is a godless chapter. It is a godless chapter. 
Amen. At least nowhere within those 12 verses does it mention the Lord as David's crying to the Lord, pleading to the Lord, or consulting the Lord about his affairs or what he must do. There is no proof that David in those 12 verses are getting or his affairs being directed by God. There's nowhere found among there, as David all time did in other places, call for a priest and ask the priest to seek out God about what he must do. David has not consulted a priest at all. So let's say amen. I mean, think about it. At least when David's first started this fugitive life because of the discomfort he was facing, you know what the first thing David did 10 years ago whenever he fled because of the discomfort? The first place, someone say the first, the first place he went was the house of God. Being uncomfortable in your spirit, whether it's church hurt, whether it's through truth being preached, or whether it's the competitive battle in your head, the first place you need to go with all of that is God's house. Well, yeah, glory. Amen. <laughs> go, to, go to God's house. And he, and he did. There's no proof that he did otherwise. Now, though, at this place, He's far away from God's house. He's far away from Jerusalem. He's living, the Bible says, in the city of Ziklag, which is in the land of the Philistines. Ziklag was a border town in the foothills between the Philistine country and the Simeonite territory, which was Israel. It was, if you will, close to the line. And dwelling in the land of the Philistines while living there. Listen to me. David still tried to serve the Lord. David, the Bible says in your Bibles in verse number 5, I believe it is, of chapter 27. David found favor in the eyes of Achish, the king of the Philistines, the king of Gath. He found favor in the eyes of Achish. Let's just consider this for a moment. What big star on your lapel is it to find favor with the one who has been an enemy to you? David, in his exploits while being in Ziklag, he attacked people. The Bible calls them the Jershurites, the Jurites, the Amalekites. Those are notable to us. These are people in cities that would have been hostile toward the Philistines, but also equally aggressive toward the Israelites. So we don't have to worry about ruffling feathers, Brother Terry, because he's fighting someone that's an enemy of the Philistines and the Israelites. Because if he fought something that was the enemy of the Israelites, but an ally of the Philistines, he'd have a problem on his hand, wouldn't he? Because he's trying to live in their land and yet fight their allies. Dave says, no, I'll fight something that they're equally against, and so I don't ruffle any feathers. And a matter of fact, you can read the Bible when he came to report to Achish, and Achish asked David, how are things going? David made Achish to believe that I'm fighting, I'm fighting all of those people that are along the lines of Judah in the southern parts in the region. He was trying to make him think that he was fighting people that were allies with Israel, who he used to belong to, 
And so Achish is thinking, man, this guy's all right. He's doing well. He's fighting the enemies of Israel rather than fighting, amen, our enemies. He's fighting the enemies. He's fighting rather the enemies of the Philistines rather than fighting the enemies of Israel. He switched over. He's crossed over. He's on our side. He's one of us. Yeah, in the reality, he was just doing what he could in order to exist where he was. What he was, yes, exactly. He was blending in. I don't want them to get too upset with me, but I don't want the Lord to be too much upset with me. I'm going to live in the land of the Philistines and I'm going to just be as godly as I can so the throne, so the crown ain't taken from my head in the future, but I'm going to live just as much as I can as they are so I can exist among them and not be uncomfortable. I'm going to walk a line here. Listen, this is how it works. David even calls to Achish. He says, I am thy servant. This was your enemy. And now you're saying, I'm yours. Whatever you need me to do, wherever you need me to go, whatever purpose you need. I'm your man. Why are you doing that, David? Because he's trying not to be uncomfortable. I'm at your disposal. I fought common foe. I pass it off as the enemies of Akesh and allies of Israel. He said, but here I am. He went among the city of Gath and the Philistines. Listen, David's in the city of Gath and among the Philistines. Listen to me very clearly. You want to talk about discomfort? Listen to me. There isn't a more uncomfortable spot. Listen to pastor real well. There isn't a more uncomfortable spot than to live among your enemies and attempt to be loyal to God, yet at the same time save face with the world you're living in. I'll be uncomfortable from church hurt, and I can be uncomfortable when God's word shaves me a little wrong, rubs me up and down a little bit. I can be uncomfortable with all that, but the greater discomfort is trying to live for God and practice like the Philistines and save face on both sides. David's Christianity, we're checking time. David's, don't worry, we're not doing the 25 minutes like we did this morning, okay? David's, and someone says, I wasn't worried. David's Christianity got so comfortable on the side of the Philistines that Achish, in verse number 12, came even to believe that David would be his servant forever. He walked the dog so good that Achish thought he'll never leave. He's my eternal slave. Listen to me. Watch. There is perhaps no better indication indicator of David's comfort level than when after fighting the Amalekites, which was one of the groups that he fought against. And please note, this is the same group of people that earlier Saul had been commanded by God to fight, slay all, don't keep any of the livestock, nothing. There's probably no better indicator, Brother Alex Mason, than when he goes fights the Amalekites, the same group that Saul had been spoken to about earlier. And he keeps livestock. In his raid. In other words, he's gotten comfortable. What God even told Saul to destroy, even the animals David now even spares. 
Someone say amen. Now, God, here it is. I want you to show the kindness and the graciousness of your God. God was merciful to David during this little hiccup in his life. Because every day that David went out to slaughter and to raid and to cause all this mayhem and he returned home, he had to think, Brother Terry, I could have died today. Every time he went out and came back in and had blood on his hands and blood on his sword, he had to think to himself, I could have died today. I could have died away from the presence of the Lord, but I didn't. Later, the scripture will say, you're all familiar with this. I said, well, most of you. That Ziklag, the city that David was staying in, was destroyed with fire. Lives were taken. Wives and children. It, they may have thought it was uncomfortable for them to be in Israel. But they're gone right now in the land of the Philistines. And so lives have been taken and the Bible says it's gotten so bad the men are speaking of stoning him and that verse that we oftentimes have looked at that David encourages himself in the Lord in a strange land that he's held a line of compromise in. Notice now in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 30 he consults the priest. Look. God has been vacant along the journey since he transferred. But now David is calling out for a priest. Why? He wants to talk to God. Lost his wife. Lost his children. The men that he was responsible for lost their wives. Lost their children. And now David's ready to have a powwow with God. And he consults the priest and he asks God. He says, God, if I go fight against them, he says, will I overtake them? Will, will I recover? And the Lord says, yes, you will recover all. And we dance and shout. Sometimes we preach sermons just all about that. Go fight and you'll recover all. But this is what you got to realize. You need to realize the grace of God in all this because this is David asking that in the land of the Philistines after he has suffered loss, have been in in the land of the Philistines for 16 months, lost family, lost kids, and he's consulting God, will I get it back? And God says, go, you'll recover all. You know what that is? That's mercy. That's, that's mercy. That wasn't owed to David. David didn't deserve that. That was mercy. Wonder why he even called on God. Did it get more uncomfortable there than where he was? David was the tenth generation. I, I, I'm hurrying. I, I'm trying. David was, listen, I've preached along this before. I'm not going to preach that sermon all to you tonight. I'm not giving you two for your money, okay? It's not a doubleheader, except that morning and night's happened, okay? 
But the Old Testament Bible tells us that an illegitimate child, if one was born, they could not enter into the house of God into the 10th generation. David and his family was the 10th generation, generation number 10, that was allowed back into the house of God because 10 generations before him, an illegitimate child was born. Amen. Through Tamar and Judah. Amen. Of Perez and Zara. And so as a result of the Old Testament law, 10 generations from there did not have access to the presence of God. Are you hearing me? They didn't have access to the presence of God. Amen. Until generation number 10. And so whenever David was born, he was the first after nine generations that had access to the presence of the Lord. That's a reason why in the song of degrees of Psalms 120, 122 and verse 1, we read David spinning and saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because nine generations before me and my family didn't have access to it. But today, because me being generation number 10, I have access to the presence of the Lord. All of them before me have been estranged from God's presence. Amen. But now, amen, I have access. And I believe that all of that history in David's life made him feel his separation in the Philistine country from God more acutely, more prominently. Someone say amen. Because for David, when he's crying, don't let my blood fall to the ground being far from the presence of the Lord. What David is really saying in that moment, God, if I die far from your presence, then I'm no better than the nine generations before me that didn't even have access to it. I'm here by choice. They weren't. Amen. No wonder. Listen, I'm hastening. I really am. Tune in next Sunday and we'll be here again. No wonder. This amazes me. As I think about David in his life prior to this hiccup in his life. No wonder later, like in 2 Samuel chapter 6 in those chapters, no wonder, Bishop, that David is later concerned, even in the Psalms, I will not lay my head to rest. I will not go to sleep until I build a house for the Lord. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about a building, a temple for the ark of God, the presence of God. He said, I'm not going to sleep until I find a place for God's presence. And it's in 2 Samuel chapter number 6, I believe it is, that David is intentional about retrieving the Ark of the Covenant with the singing and the dancing and the sacrificing. What's your deal, David? Because I've had a plea in my spirit. What has been, what has been, what has been given to me was not given to nine generations before me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been away from God. I've been away from the land of my inheritance. I've tried to live a double life. And my prayer then was don't let me die away from his presence. So yes, I want to get God's presence. And yes, I want to build a house for his presence. Because I'm concerned that I don't think anybody needs to die away from the presence of the Lord. Oh, someone say amen. 
when we read the scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, we read in 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians 1.9, the Bible speaks that it was a punishment to be away or taken away from the presence of the Lord. We read in the book of Leviticus chapter 22 that it, the promise was this, that if a man had sinned or if an individual had done something unclean, the promise was this, they were to be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And so David is saying, I don't want to die far away from the presence of the Lord. Can I say even tonight, this is, shouldn't just be the cry of every uncomfortable Christian. This should be the cry of every comfortable Christian. We should not want to die away from the presence of the Lord. Now look now, I'm closing. I am. It's turned red. Stand with me. Second Samuel chapter 11. Records another hiccup in David's life. In the year whenever kings will go to war, David stays home as king, goes out to his balcony, and he espies a woman that is bathing there by the name of Bathsheba. He desires her, inquires about her, has her to come to his home. He lays with her a child. She is impregnated in her womb by David. Hiccup. And what does David pen and write in conjunction with this in Psalms 51? We love these verses. We pray and we speak them. But this is something in particular that David said. He prayed. Cast me not away. From thy presence. Cast me not away from thy presence. What are you saying, David? David's speaking from experience. David's speaking from experience. He's speaking in those latter months of being a fugitive that oftentimes placed him from the presence of God. Even his own choosing of the other land that set him away from the presence of of God among people who formerly had been his enemy and had been accounted as his enemy. He remembers that all too well. And at this juncture of life, when he has another hiccup, he's saying, cast me not away from thy presence. His prayer was basically, don't let me die here without the presence of the Lord. Don't let me die while sinning. Don't let me die while compromising. Don't let me die while ignoring your truth. Don't let me don't let me die having the favor of a foreign king like Achish but the displeasure of the heavenly king. My God. It is the plea. It is the cry of comfortable Christians. I'm okay with where I am and what I am right now. Just don't let me die this way away from you. Because that does what? That seals eternity. New Testament scripture tells us, and I stand along with the scripture. It says, judge nothing before it's time. Mm-hmm. Your life might be in shambles. and Please, I'm just pointing to you. Your life might be in shambles. You might be stricken with sin left, right, up, and down. I didn't say all day, well, bless God, look at Sean. That's great. You can be as messed up as you want to right now. Just don't be that way whenever you die. 
or you're called home or that appointment takes place or right. I don't judge nothing before it's time. That's God. Pastor, judge me because the way I live life. Well, if I ever say anything with God's word along those lines, it's because of this. One thing, his coming is imminent, which means it can happen at any time. And I don't know the appointment of my death just like you don't know yours. And so our plea should be, don't let my blood fall to the ground far away from your presence. You want a prayer to pray each day? Pray the prayer of David. Don't let my blood fall to the ground far away. Because only really you and God know that distance. Somebody hear me right now? Because evidently David had an inclination before he ever went there. He wouldn't have said, you're driving me away and all this stuff. Right? Because we can put on a good facade in church. And have a heart that's far from him in spirit. Don't let me die. For oh, Jesus. Don't let me die. It wouldn't mind us every once in a while to thank God for some of the discomfort. Because sometimes it's the discomfort that draws me to where I need to be. It's the loss of family and kids that makes me consult God. It's the difficulty, the struggle. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads here tonight. Mm -hmm. Holy Ghost. So, yeah, that's David had a bad spot in his life. Spots. At different times. When it was all said and done, you know what happened? He ascended to the throne room to be one of the greatest kings of Israel. But at least he kept in his heart a knowingness, uh, uh, an awareness that God, where I am right now, I don't want to die here. I know I'm just, I'm in, in escapism mode and uh, I'm thinking irrationally. And as a result, I'm making some irrational decisions. But I don't want to die here. And I beg to wonder tonight in the spirit that there may be some standing here tonight that says, Brother McGee, there are some places and there have been some hiccups in my life. And I'm in one right now. And I live some time uncomfortable. I really don't care much for what you preach tonight. But there is something deep within my soul and my spirit that likewise says, I don't want to die far from his presence. So I'm asking us tonight, you know, we don't have to say face with the world. We don't even have to say face with the church. But what we do need is just to get real with God. We just need to get real with God. And this altar is open tonight for every individual. I'm sorry if you suffer church hurt. I'm, I'm sorry if at times it just feels very, very uncomfortable around here when preaching and teaching goes forth or when you're combating all of the competing thoughts in your mind and your heart. I'm really sorry about that. I will tell you with great confidence your discomfort here will not compare at all with a discomfort of abandoning 
the one who has showed you mercy, the one that has lavished your life with grace, the one that has given you second chances and other chances. These altars are open tonight. If there's anybody that'd like to find a place to pray, pray God. This can be your prayer, and it's for every one of us. It doesn't matter. Just pray, God, don't let me die far away from your presence. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Not far away, Lord. God, don't let the rapture take place when I'm far away. Don't snatch the last breath from my lungs when I'm far away. Don't let my blood fall to the ground when I'm far away from your presence. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.